0: This BizNow podcast is brought to you by Industrious.
1: Uh, 47? Yeah. It's lunchtime on a weekday on 8th Avenue and 41st Street in Manhattan. And I'm at Schnipper's Times Square, a hamburger restaurant at the bottom of the New York Times building.
2: Hi, my name is Andrew Schnipper. Yes. I'm the owner of uh, Schnipper Restaurants here in New York City. We currently have two locations open. Um, before the pandemic, we had four. We're looking to possibly relocate two of them. And uh, we are... Um, trying to just
1: survive. A place like this, bang in the middle of Manhattan, where you can get a quick meal, would normally be thronging with people. This is tourist mecca, a few blocks from Broadway, close to where all the tour buses stop and leave. The Port Authority is just across the street. Plus, it's an easy place for an office worker to pull in for lunch. But the tourists aren't really here right now. And as we know, despite promises from landlords for new and improved buildings and thinly veiled threats from major employers, workers are just not back at their desks. And it's hitting businesses like Schnipper's pretty hard.
2: You know, you get used to ups and downs and risk and, and whatnot. And, you know, I, I mean, frankly, we look at other options. We're looking at other alternative businesses and things that we might do, you know, you know. In, in hospitality and food, probably not in not in restaurants and not in New York City. I think New York City is a challenged. And New York City was, was a tough environment before COVID. This didn't help.
1: These are all immediate problems, of course, but there's a greater fear bubbling up within him. The tourists will probably come back. There's only one place you can see the Empire State Building and the travel bans will be lifted eventually. And the office isn't dead. Those buildings are still going to be there. But the idea of workplaces going to a hybrid model, the three-day office work week, that's what's keeping him up at night.
2: This restaurant pays rent five. We pays seven days. We have expenses. You know, every day of the week we're built on five-day week business. If you're telling me that only three fifths of our business will recover, that's a problem. That's not. You know, that doesn't. I mean, yes, it's great that people the offices will be full three out of five days, better than zero out of five days. But it's not. It's not the solution. We need. We need. We need more people than that, or the business model is completely
3: different. I'm Miriam Hall, Biznow's New York City reporter, and I'm Mike Phillips, Biznow's UK editor. And this is Office Politics, The Battle for the Future of Work, a BizNOW podcast series presented by Industrious. In this fifth and final episode, we're looking at what the future of the office and the return to work means for cities, for the people who live in them, for the people who own buildings in them, and for businesses like Schnippers. Hybrid work isn't just going to impact office tenants and commercial real estate owners. It has the potential to fundamentally impact how the economies of cities like New York or London operate. One narrative that's been discussed over the past year and a half argues that if we're not chained to our desks in central business districts, then cities could potentially wither and die. And that the people who've made a mint building high-end office towers, and the landlords who've managed to rent out crappy apartments at stratospheric rents because they're close to those jobs, are about to see a serious turn in their fortunes.
1: For most, city life means a trade-off, space for location. So when coronavirus hit and everyone was stuck in their small homes, walls closed in fast.
3: One thing is for sure, these cities are facing the fight of their lives, and hybrid work is a serious fork in the road that few people saw coming. It's a huge threat, whether people like to admit it or not. Big cities aren't going to die, But they are going to have to dramatically reimagine the way they work. That would change
4: uh, New York City in a fundamental way. And I think that's really what we're afraid of.
1: Right at the start of the pandemic, places like New York City became ghastly beacons representing the perils of city living. They were seen as dirty, dangerous you'd be safer from the virus out in the Hamptons, out in the country, or somewhere in the suburbs. In the UK, the mayor of London has declared a major incident a move normally reserved for terror attacks.
3: It is somehow unimaginable, unbelievable, that in the most famous city of the richest country in the world, they're digging mass graves for those who can't afford a funeral, and for those who died of coronavirus with no next of kin.
1: Of course, as the virus spread rapidly through parts of the US, UK and Europe, it became pretty clear this wasn't just a city thing. But the months went on. People simply didn't come back. Though the real estate bigwigs, the people with the lot to lose, basically begged large companies to bring their workers back to New York City. The implication was, you need to help the city now, after all she's given to you.
3: Our next guest is calling for offices to reopen in New York. In an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal this week, related company CEO Jeff Blau writing, quote, when it comes to reviving the economy, we are all essential workers. Jeff joins us now from The uncomfortable fact is though that in recent years cities haven't been the bastions of prosperity and intellectualism and artistic collaboration that many dream them to be to put it in perspective in New York City between 2000 and 2016 the population went up by 11% job growth increased by 16% but the housing stock went up by just 8% the result A housing affordability crisis that pop culture didn't really prepare us for.
1: Why do I think living in Manhattan is so fantastic? Because it is.
3: An MIT study from July last year, the faltering escalator of urban opportunity, found that cities are no longer the big drivers of economic mobility they once were. The middle class jobs are disappearing, leaving only high paying jobs in finance or tech or media and low skilled, low paid jobs like cleaning, security or food service cities are no longer a place where you can necessarily work your way up from the bottom because it's simply too expensive to live there.
0: My name's Joel Kotkin. I'm an author and a presidential fellow at uh, Chapman University in uh, California. What I find really obnoxious is this idea well if you want to succeed in life you have to live where I want you to live and now people are saying really I, you know if I want to be have a software career do I have to live in San Francisco do I have to live in the Bay Area I mean I can't live in Boise Idaho or certainly Raleigh Durham or the suburbs of Austin there are more choices what cities have to do is they have to say look everybody's got the, these different options how do we make the urban option an attractive option?
3: Kotkin has worked from home his whole life, so he's a fan. He lives in Orange County in California, having moved out of Los Angeles years ago. He thinks that cities have been able to rest on their laurels because all the jobs were there. And even if you didn't have one of those jobs, at least you're in close proximity to them.
0: If you're paying $5,000 a month to live in a Motel 6... You've got to believe you're in the center of the universe because what what other justification is there? It's, you know, it's like it's like somebody who buys a, a a Jaguar that breaks down every 15 minutes, but you're going to say it's a great car because you spent all this money on it. I mean, so so the the bottom line is that you know fundamentally the, the cities are going to have to reinvent themselves as a value proposition, and they've been told. Just because I'm a city, I'm going to do great. The, the denser I get, the, the taller the buildings, the more expensive the apartments, the better I'll be and everybody will have to come here. And that's just not... It wasn't true in, in 2019 and it's sure the hell not true in 2021.
3: Sure, young people are maybe always going to want to live in cities and drink until the early hours and live in overcrowded flat shares. All that matters to them is that they have somewhere soft to flop down at 3am. But now that employees have more leverage, cities' facades could begin to crumble. If
0: I'm Jamie Dimon and I live in Manhattan, I have a luxury apartment. Working in Manhattan is wonderful. I can afford all the expensive restaurants. I, I, can, I can hobnob with my, my peers, such as they are. But for the poor schmuck who's riding the train from Ronkonkoma for an hour and 20 minutes, you know, and, and then taking the subway, it, it's not so glamorous you got to go into your crappy little cubicle you got to ride the subway so i think you're seeing you'll see a transition
1: that transition is going to have some fairly big ramifications champions of the cities often point out that there is a new generation on their way desperate to get to the bright lights they've always dreamed of when new york city residential rent's plunged last year at one point manhattan prices were down 25% on their pre-pandemic levels people pointed to a youth renaissance one of them was Jonathan Miller, the CEO of appraisal firm Miller Samuel.
5: I'm still uncomfortably optimistic about the future of New York. I think it becomes a little bit more eclectic
1: mm.
5: as opposed to be sort of luxury branded, you know, overkill. I think New York got a little bit worn or tired by everything was luxury. And um, and that's so I, I'm kind of excited about that. But that that's a risk as well, because You know, lower rent means, you know, lower taxes, lower revenue. Um, So the New York has a lot of things to sort of hammer out over the next, you know, three to five years.
1: A youth renaissance is all well and good, but the thing about the youth is they don't have much money. They don't pay much rent and they don't pay much in the way of personal income taxes either. And as buildings of all kinds, retail, multifamily and offers pull in lower rent, they are worth less. And in the US system, when their assessments go down, they're paying less tax. Already, New York City slashed property values this year, drastically reducing tax obligations for many commercial landlords across the city. Market values for tax purposes for office properties in New York dropped 16%. That means property owners are handed far less tax than they normally would over to the city. And in many cases, the landlords have already vowed to fight the tax department, claiming their properties are worth even less than the assessors have claimed. Mo Davies, a professor at Rutgers University, predicted that CBD office rents in big US cities will drop and in the long term settle at about 20% below pre-pandemic levels because of the decrease in demand from companies for the space. It's a very gloomy scenario. Fewer people paying less tax, meaning less money for services, meaning quality of life gets worse. That causes companies to start leaving because no one wants to be here, so the tax take continues to drop a spiraling set of circumstances. Here's Miller again.
5: I think ultimately what happens is we have an office market that's going to realize a much lower rent level. And and we're also going to see uh, a new sort of cohort of companies coming in that were priced out of, say, Class A office space or you know, that they can step it up a notch. And I think it ends up really freezing out much new office development, you know, for this foreseeable future.
3: But here's a counterpoint. While residential rents in New York City are still depressed, about 10% down from their pre-pandemic levels compared to about 25% at the worst of the crisis, lease signings are at all-time highs. There have been reports of bidding wars over rentals, which is pretty unheard of. That means people are coming to the city, likely spurred by cheaper housing deals – And this is all happening without a widespread callback from big corporates. And Miller points out that all the talk of work from home versus in the office is always framed within the context of the suburbs versus the city. There are great swathes of people, he said, who'll elect to live in cities, places like Manhattan even, and keep the hybrid or work from home lifestyle.
5: It's going to be a blending. Some are going to work five days a week at home. Some are going to work five days in the office. We're, we're figuring that out right now. We don't really know, but we know there's no way that the status quo is returning. Uh, it's absolutely not. And that is a threat to commercial rents and, and retail to a certain degree. Uh, retail is heavily predicated, I think, on corporate America calling their workers back and breathing oxygen into street level retail in central business districts. Um, but it's it's you know it's a it's going to be a very challenging time for landlords.
3: One thing they in the US take heart from is the results of the recent census, which showed urban areas are growing at a healthy clip. New York City, having lost people for years, actually gained more than six hundred thousand residents in the decade from twenty ten. Michael White is a professor of population studies at Brown University.
5: So I think we're seeing this continued redistribution of the of the population and. While people were talking about movement out of or depopulation or slower growth rate in some of the big areas, particularly say New York as an example, we saw less of that than we anticipated.
0: We don't have to tell you that the future of work is complicated. Get a partner who can make your team's return to the office simple with Industrious. Industrious has offices, suites, and hybrid solutions for companies of all sizes and stages in more than 100 locations across the U.S. and the U.K. Go to IndustriousOffice.com to discover how Industrious can help bring your team into the future of work. Industrious at IndustriousOffice.com
1: On Manhattan's west side, work is underway at the St John's Terminal, the redevelopment of a 1.3 million square foot former rail car holding facility into a massive office campus for Google. Oxford Properties is leading the redevelopment, and the company's head of US development, Dean Shapiro, is showing me around the exterior of the building, which spans three city blocks.
0: Everybody who's come back says the same thing, which is, you know what, it's great to see people. You know, you can only take so much friggin' Zoom call.
1: What the tech companies are doing with their offices and workplace plans have become something of a North Star for much of the office community. Apple's doing this. YouTube's doing that. Amazon says the office is here for good. And their development plans have become entrenched in the future of cities discussion as well. For much of the second half of 2020, it was almost impossible to talk to any landlord or office broker about the future of New York City without them reminding you that Facebook has just signed a massive lease at Penn Station, so that means everything's going to be fine. Shapiro, part of whose job is building these offices, admits that collective work from home has given people a glimpse of what life could be without the city job. And workers will no longer accept the urban indignities we've previously just seen as part of being a functioning member of the economy.
0: I expect that that's gonna translate to the workplace, um, which means not only can you come and go, but you need to be in an environment like here where you can go for a walk in the middle of the day and you could connect to nature.
1: Earlier we heard from Jessica Walker, the CEO of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce, talking about the fear that hybrid is here to stay and what it could do to a city like New York. Her organisation is pulling out all the stops to try and lure people back to the city. Earlier this year, it was one of the many chambers that joined with WeWork to offer deals to companies who come back to New York City with the hope of injecting more life to the streets. There's no question about it that that the changes over the last 18 months have
4: showed that work from home and remote work um, can work for a business. And I think larger companies that might have been reticent to do it in the past uh, understand that that has to be an option for many workers going forward. Um, and so what that means is that all workers, for the most part, are going to be more mobile. And the, the implications of that for New York City is that we have to work even harder uh, to, to have a strong competitive advantage about why you should be in New York City. It's an expensive town, um, and it's not always easy to get around in. You know, it's a, It can be a difficult town. Um, but we, you know, I think people who have lived here for many years strongly believe that there are a lot of assets and advantages. Um, but I think we just cannot rest on our laurels because the, the competition is fierce. You know, New York City in, in normal times is so much fun. Um, you know, usually, you know, you get to you work very, very hard. Um, you do have to put up with some, you know, some frustrations. Um, but in the in the good times, it can be so much fun when you get to go meet up with your friends and and go to the best restaurants and you know it can be such a fun
1: town. It can be if you can afford it. <laughs>
4: yes. Well, that's it's going back to that. That's exactly right. And I, so I think that's all, it is all interconnected. And I and I think that um, like I said, a lot of people are hoping that the next mayor will have the leadership. To really work on these issues. And and certainly the business community is going to help as much as possible.
3: Throughout this series, we've met people, companies, real estate owners, cities, societies, all wrestling with a challenge, a challenge of the imagination. Whether it's in the area of workplace productivity, social equality and diversity, the relation between companies and workers, climate change, the future of cities, we're at a moment where the old world of work and the office, the way things had been done for more than a century, has been tossed in the air. The challenge now is to imagine a new and better world and to make it happen. The real estate world has faced this challenge before and failed.
6: Many of us thought very little about what Apple was doing or what the iPhone was going to offer until Steve Jobs decided to sort of break the glass ceiling and come up with an incredible product. Mm. Um, We didn't even know what we wanted. That's Chris
3: Canway, founder of RealCore Capital, an independent investment and corporate finance advisory firm based in London. He compares the current situation with offices to what retail has been through in the past 15 years or so. Retail real estate owners had plenty of warning about the potential impact of e-commerce on their business, but could not or would not envisage a world where physical stores were anything other than central to the retail world and a highly profitable asset to own. So they got hit by a truck there's the potential for the same to happen in offices. So office owners better start imagining what that new world might look like sooner rather than later.
6: Obviously, I mean, that again needs to be put in context. But because people never dreamt and never thought that possible. And and then it it happened. Uh, the, The smartphones came and they've literally transformed our lives. Now, when we look at the retail sector, it was the same thing. I mean, there was lots of new activity going on. Uh, Some people obviously had a great business idea, great business plans and thought, let's build more of this Mm -hmm. uh, sort of facilities. Uh, But again, on the sidelines, as I I said previously, uh, there was Amazon there. Uh, If you look at say Asia and look at the Chinese businesses, there was probably Alibaba as well. Uh, No one really took note of what these companies were set now to achieve and the amount of disruption that they were gonna bring in, into the space. Uh, but that, And then fast forward to where we are today. That needs to be ingrained in our thinking as part of our investment processes, uh, because we're still looking at, you know, the sort of incremental changes, but the current world that we're in is a world of complete disruption. No one wants to come in and be an average player, because you don't survive. You're never going to survive that way.
3: And that need to reimagine a new world is not just true for real estate companies. It's true for all companies, in terms of the way they manage their way of working, both to help staff be more productive, but also to make the world of work more empathetic and humane. It's true of cities, who will need to reimagine what they offer to workers and residents to ensure people and occupiers want to be there. It's true of societies, which will need to decide what they value in order to find a balance between economic growth and fighting climate change and securing the future of the planet. Of course, we want to reimagine a world where new ways of working and living benefit everybody. But the reality is, that's probably impossible. Societies will also have to accept this reality and imagine new ways to make sure that too many people aren't left behind. Back at Schnipper's on 8th Avenue, Andrew
1: Schnipper can't worry too much about helping the city. He's in need of help himself. There's a, there's a handful of places in the country, New York being
2: one of them, that will be affected very differently than the rest of the country. This is a tale of two pandemics, unfortunately. It's all the big cities where we have a lot of density, is where you, you know, you're gonna see a, a longer period to recover. I just think you know, um, there's going to be, you're gonna to have to have, a lot, you're going to have a lot of courage to be in this business you know, for the next foreseeable future.
1: This BizNow podcast is produced by me, Miriam
3: Hall. And me, Mike Phillips. With script editing by Ethan Rothstein. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of the episodes in this series, please leave us a review. It helps other people to find us.
1: All episodes of this series and other stories about the future of the workplace are available at our website, biznow.com.